tonight. We are going to dive back into the strange and the unusual. With me is our resident brilliant artist and expert on all things strange and unusual, Alyssa. Alyssa, what are we going to talk about tonight? Oh, we have so much to talk about. We're going to be talking about the Loch Ness Monster, mermaids, some dreams, some alien stuff. There's just a little bit of everything. <laughs> it's going to be a cornucopia. Hey, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. Like cornucopia of weirdness as we dive into our next paranormal X-File right here on Raven's Heart. Well, thank you to our viewers who are tuning in right now. I see those eyeballs coming up, and I do have to do this. Um, it, it helps out with everything that we do here. If you are new to the channel and watching, go ahead and subscribe and ring the bell uh, because you'll get more of this. Uh, you get great music here on Raven's Heart. And that's what I want to talk about before we go into the world of The Strange because Alyssa is a very talented artist. And coming up, I think it's what, on November 3rd, you have a new single coming out called Out Loud. Can you tell us about this new single? Yes. So I'm super excited about this one. I think this is my most favorite single that I've released yet. Um, it's different. We were talking about this before the show aired. Um, it's punchier. I think the sound wise, um, it's a lot harder rock. And I think lyrically, it's uh, much fiercer, I would say, than um, my other songs. So this one is just about um, using your voice and not staying silent and speaking the truth. Um, and I think it's also a warning for people to open their ears, open their eyes and see the things happening around them and um, to just listen for that truth. Um, and then I also use the imagery of a storm as kind of a way to tell this um, this tension. So, um, yeah, it's it's really cool. And I can't wait for you to hear it. It is amazing. I got to, I got the special privilege of previewing it. That's one of the things that I enjoy about this job that I have with Lithos Cry and Raven's Heart is getting to check out all this new music. And it reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12, where it says, who's going, you know, basically who's going to escape the voice of the Lord mm -hmm. as this time around, he's going to shake the heavens and the earth. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But I look back into the archives of Raven's Heart and it was this week last year that we interviewed you for the first time. No way. I can't believe that. <laughs> and we took a look at your songs Inside Out and Stranded. What is different about you now since those releases? How have you grown? I feel like I have grown so much since then. Um, when Even when we aired that, it had been, I think, a year since I had written those songs. Um, so just so much growth. I think there's been so much healing. And also, I feel like God has given me a new confidence to just share my story and to share his message. And I think um, with every song that I write now and with every performance, I go in with that in mind of just what does God want to show the people who are listening to the sound of my voice and how can I show Jesus through what I do? So I think that that has always been there. I just think I'm walking in a new confidence and a new healing. And it's been really cool to see how that's played out in my songwriting. It's definitely a new level of maturity. Your song does. It's a lot feistier <laughs> and the lyrical content is very powerful. And I put it in the realm of a, a prophetic warning and I'm going to mm -hmm. leave it at that. When I listened to it, I heard a very strong prophetic warning in that. Yeah. And that's a lot about 
kind of what we're going to talk about tonight with all this crazy stuff going on in the world. And I want to revisit what we talked about last month for a few seconds because we hit the now mainstream topic of flying saucers, extraterrestrials, and dove into the congressional hearings on the existence of non-human biologicals. Mm -hmm. Never thought we would ever be doing that as a live stream. <laughs> Have you had any more thoughts on that? Why, why is this happening now? Yeah, I mean, I think like we talked about last time, as these things are just becoming more and more frequent, as these sightings are becoming more frequent, I think it's kind of forced the government to have to tell their narrative of it and just get out in front of it. Um, I feel like there's no escaping what's coming and what's happening. And so um, I think that's kind of why we're hearing more about it is because we're seeing much more of it. And I think, you know, it also could be a part of the end times and what's happening with that. So could this all be leading up to what is about to unfold? Um, I think so. I, I've heard theories that this could possibly be a setup for the rapture and um, just explaining away kind of what that is. And I think also that the government maybe knows more even from a spiritual perspective than what we think. And they're just kind of trying to get in front of this. So um, not much has changed from when we talked before, but I just think that has been um, even more prevalent. So yeah. have you had any more thoughts? I have, uh, and I'm glad you asked. And it actually ties into your song that you're oh, releasing cool. on November 3rd. The timing of this, it's not like we sat, we planned, hey, Alyssa's going to write a song about this and we're going to do this. This is just the timing of Holy Spirit. The Lord has taken me to Hebrews 12, 25 through 27, something we just mentioned a moment ago where it says, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not uh, who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Mm -hmm. His voice then shook the earth, and we're talking about the first shaking, and this was at Mount Sinai, because that's the context of it. But now he hath promised, saying, he's going to do this again, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. So if we think about that for a minute, when you shake something, when you agitate something, things fall out. Yep. God shakes the heavens. The heavens in Scripture are not just a reference to the throne room of God, but it's that we've got that first heaven and we got the second heaven where there's principalities and powers and rulers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And what's happening, I believe, is that because the kingdom of God is coming closer to the earth, all of this stuff that's up there is starting to fall out mm -hmm. and more visible. Your thoughts on that? I haven't thought of that, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Remember Chicken Little? Yeah, the sky, the sky is falling. falling. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. The, the, the sky is falling. <laughs> well, I never thought of it like that. But I think yeah. that you're exactly right. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, because this is what it says in the rest of Hebrews. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken remain. So there's all this shaking mm. out going on so that the things that were made that aren't in line with God or of the kingdom that are everlasting. It's just coming out and it's being removed. He's just removing Whoa. it, putting it 
putting it out. Boy, I'm getting excited. I'm just slamming everything on the desk. Over here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Have you had any feedback from the last edition that we did about the, about the flying saucers, UFOs and non-human -bi biologicals? Yes, I have. I think a lot of people were just some of the people who I am in relationship with know already of these things and and study these things. And some people have no idea what we're talking about. Um, but I think whichever camp you fall in, I think everybody was just very interested in it. And um, they enjoyed watching it and learned a lot, too, I think. What yeah, about you? Uh, we had some really good comments over here put on our YouTube page. I'm going to go ahead and pull those up so that we can uh, take a look at those. I'm going to go ahead and share the screen right now. And this should come up and we'll move over to the side. There we go. Nice. <laughs> uh, we're right there. Nice. We had uh, three three significant comments that were put on the YouTube page. And I was very excited about these uh, because it shows that we are doing something that I believe is very important at this time. Uh, Jesse Padgett uh 9070 says this topic needs to be covered much more frequently in our churches as a person who was entrenched in the occult. That's interesting. Mm. And whose prayer for salvation was a prayer for deliverance. I can say with confidence that we are dealing with rulers, powers, and principalities in some regard. Keep up the good work. Just what we we're just talking about a minute wow. ago. Mm -hmm. Then we have Yvette uh, Marie. She says, very interesting show. I have never heard this topic addressed in depth in the church. Great show, much love, and hands together. And then Fan and Man, Stacy, my brother from <laughs> Revelation Resistance Podcast, says, love this. We need Christians to talk about these things. Yes, that is the comments that we received on the uh, YouTube page after people had watched it. And we really appreciate those comments. Why do you think this is important for us to address these topics? I mean, this is fun, and it kind of... Yeah, this is for people that kind of think out there a little bit more, but what do you see as important about this? I think that somebody needs to give an answer for what's happening. Um, and it has to be the church, because if, if you don't, if the church doesn't fill that role of explaining what these things are, people are going to be influenced by what the world is telling them these things are. So, you know, we already know that these things exist and um, it's just how we're going to frame them and how we're going to explain them. And the only way to do that is through scripture. And um, so, yeah, like they said, I just think that the church is missing an opportunity to talk about these things. It really is. I, I think you're absolutely right. I have to concur 100% with what you say there. And it's very interesting because I was thinking about it the other night, because really, you know, when we started with this cry, when we started Raven's Heart, we really were focusing on heavy metal and Christian metal and rock. And I was thinking to myself, okay, how does this dovetail into that? And it does because go back and take a look at all the Ronnie James Dio album covers from the 1970s. This is all the stuff that was on it. You take a look at some of the metal that's out today, the secular metal. We're going to talk about mermaids tonight. I don't know how many Nightwish songs there are about mermaids. It's oh, a topic wow. that's addressed. Yeah. One of my favorite ones is Turn Loose the Mermaids. Uh, it's my favorite from their Imaginarium album. One of my favorite songs. And we need to talk about these things because people think about them. Even the, mm -hmm. the metal band, they're not a Christian metal band, but the metal band Serenia, that's kind of what their name comes from. And the mermaid is part of their part of their imagery. So we're going to go from above, down, below, under the water, 
And here's what's happened. Just a few days after we talked about UFOs and extraterrestrials, on September 4th, the New York Post published this, Alyssa. They published in a title an article entitled Mysterious 50-Foot Monster Spotted in Lake in China. I thought those were only found in Scotland in the Loch Ness. This is what they say. A tourist in China captured on video what she claimed was a 50-foot-long silver monster breaching the water surface of a small lake along believed to be the home of a mysterious creature that has drawn comparisons to the Loch Ness Monster. The woman, Miss Lee from Shanghai, claimed she encountered the beast while visiting Lake Tianachi, which means, get this, Heavenly Lake. Whoa. We're going to dive into that. Uh, it's in northwestern China, and this happened on August 31st. The elusive beast of Tianachi, which has been likened to the Loch Ness Monster, was first sighted in 1962. Since then, dozens of visitors claim to have caught a glimpse of the creature. As I'm reading this, I keep hearing the heart song Barracuda run through my mind. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this elaborate hoax? Are people seeing something that's real? Are there sea serpents? What do you think about this, Alyssa? Oh, I have so many thoughts about this. Um, for sure, it's not a hoax. Just like, um, like Bigfoot, like UFOs, like all these mythical creatures that people have claimed to see over time. It can't be just somebody's imagination there's just too many accounts to write it off as a hoax now what exactly it is i think i'm not sure i think one of two things could be happening um i think the first thing is that if this is a spiritual being um you know we talked about portals are these things appearing through portals i think that that could be a possibility um but i also heard my my dad turned me on to this guy his name is i have it written down Kevin Hovind? Hovind. Kent yes. Hovind. I wasn't even close. Kent Hovind. Um, and he believes that the Loch Ness is a physical creature and it could be a species of plesiosaur, which is similar to a dinosaur, but it's like an underwater aquatic um, version of a dinosaur. And he believes that dinosaurs and these plesiosaurs didn't actually go extinct and they're still on Earth today. And that I think is a very interesting concept. I think, you know, when you think of the underwater creatures, water takes up most of the earth and there are so many unexplored caverns and um, so there's so much depth to the ocean. You don't know what's under there. So I'm not writing that off either. I'm not sure which I think it is, but I think that those are two possibilities that either one, it could be more of a spiritual creature that's interdimensional um, or it could be an actual physical creature similar to a dinosaur that's just been under the ocean for all these years and has been unexplored. So what what do you think, Glenn? It's interesting that you mentioned Kent Hovind. Uh, when I was in talk radio back in 2001, I had the opportunity to interview Kent. With no way. Yes. Yes. I don't remember. That was so long ago. I barely remember what we talked about, <laughs> but we did touch upon the strange because we were on secular talk radio. We, we touched upon these things quite often. Uh, we also did one with an expert on the Shroud of Turin, which is a very mm -hmm. interesting, interesting topic. I think, I think it can be both really. You know, when you see the pictures of Nessie, the Loch Ness monster, they all seem to be fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that? Yep. 
And it's like with all the camera technology we've got today, even back then with cameras, you would think it'd be able to be a clear picture. And one of the theories that I have heard is that it very well could be that because they're interdimensional, you're not getting a very clear picture of it. Mm, that would make sense. But then again, we don't know everything. You know, this is the problem that we all run into. We think that when we graduate from high school and college, we've learned all the things that need to be learned. Mm -hmm. We think that, okay, my marine biology class covered all the species under the water. We don't know everything. That, we just don't right. know everything that's down there. And that's why it's so important that us as believers just don't say, Oh, the answer to that is demons. <laughs> right. <laughs> demons. I don't understand it. It's it's gotta be. It's gotta be. <laughs> and we do know from the Bible, the oldest book in the Bible, and I find it very fascinating. We read of Leviathan, which mm -hmm. is a very fascinating creature. And people are like, oh, that's dinosaur. Um Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. We didn't live back then. It had a very specific name to it. It doesn't match any dinosaur that I know of that I've seen the bones of at the Smithsonian. Very interesting creature. And it's been posited by some theologians that the chaos that starts in Genesis 1, when God recreates the earth, basically, all of that chaos was created by Yahweh's war with Leviathan. Hmm. where we get the Godzilla myth from. And now, why would Yahweh, why would God create Leviathan? Well, he can create anything he wants. Mm -hmm. And if he can take down Leviathan, it's basically to demonstrate his power. If I can create something this colossal, I can take it down. And that's basically what he was telling Job. Wow. Yeah. Pretty fascinating. Portals. Um, it makes sense in the air portals in the water for our listeners and viewers that are not familiar with that. Can you share with us what a portal is? And then can you explain, we talked the other night offline about ley lines. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yes. So um, when we talked last time, we were kind of describing a portal as um, in that the thinning of the veil, kind of like what we see in stranger things of um, this dimension where it exists in time with us, but it also isn't with us um right. and it's that thinning of the veil where these things can come through and i i think that that has a lot to do with the ley lines um and then i i, I googled so i would be accurate uh, what ley lines actually are defined as and they're essentially routes or highways that function as portals gateways or doorways in the earth um, and they often link specific locations of like either historical or geographical significance um, or monuments, hilltops, rivers, things like that. Um, and they're believed, and they are, these lines that are infused with this electromagnetic energy. Um, and so I think these places, like even um, like the Bermuda Triangle, and um, you think of uh, Joshua Tree, like all these places that have this just spiritual um, significance to them are often connected with these ley lines. And that's where this thinning of the veil occurs and where these portals can be open. So that's why you see like in places like Joshua Tree, people go there and have seances. And um, I actually listened to a podcast, I believe it was the confessionals um, of a guy's um, account of he went to this party in Joshua Tree and he there were vampires there and they did a big seance and a portal actually opened. And he was telling about you know, his experience with that. 
But long, long, long story short, those are what portals are and what ley lines are. And I think how those things are connected. And there are good portals as well. You're mm -hmm. talking, we've talked about the ones where the creepy Count Chocula vampires show up and all that stuff, but there are good ones as well. We have one in North Carolina, not too far from where I'm at. It's Prayer Mountain in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. And I had the opportunity to go on a men's church retreat there about two years ago. And I was very curious to see what was going to happen. I was very open-minded to it. And we, we went with the heart of expecting what the Lord would do. And I had such clear revelation when I was up there. The dreams that I had at night were very vivid. And the Lord gave me very clear direction on what I needed to do with my life. And that's why I moved from Charleston to Columbia. It all happened in that weekend where that was wow. revealed where that portal is. And would you say like the ley lines, because when we take a look at scripture, God's got some very favorite places like Mount Moriah, where uh, Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. That is the same place, from what I understand, where Jesus was crucified. Hmm, I didn't the, know the that. The same mount, yeah. And there's certain places, uh, Bethel, where Jacob's ladder, you see the angels going mm -hmm. up and down. It wasn't down and up, but they were going up and down. I, I, I think we could consider those portals as well, couldn't we? Yeah, definitely. And then especially the Mount of Olives, where Jesus was not only transfigured, but also ascended into heaven. Mm -hmm. That would definitely be a portal. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> yeah. And for those that are watching and listening, like, okay, these two, they are nuts. <laughs> you know, I don't see the word portal in scripture. Yeah, it's in there. I had to do some research. It's there. And Jesus actually uses it to refer to himself as the door. He is the door. He is the portal of salvation. In John chapter 10, he says, Then Jesus said unto them again, this is in verses 7 through 8, Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. He is the portal. That is the Greek word thura, which means portal. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Hmm. So Jesus, we look at scripture, unfortunately, Alyssa, through the Western culture mindset. Yeah. You know, the, the Hebrew culture, the culture during Jesus's time, they were very familiar with what portals were. So here's the zinger for the night. This is this is where your research is going to pay off on this. <laughs> we read, you know, we read of the strange creature, hear of the strange creature. Are there any other places in scripture where you can think of really strange creatures that start appearing on the earth, especially in the last days? Ooh. I had not the last days, I had the beginning of days. So maybe Go you for can the beginning then. <laughs> you can yes. take the last days. I'll take the beginning. Um, but yeah, like we said, Leviathan. Um, is one creature, but the one, well, not one creature, many of them, um, the Nephilim is kind of what I wanted to talk about. Um, so I've done a lot of research on them. We hear about them in Genesis, Genesis 6, when the sons of God came down and they um, had sex with human women and they created the giant species called the Nephilim. Um, and then, so the Nephilim themselves are these creatures. But then, and this is what I wanted to kind of get your opinion on too. Um, I think 
sometimes I want to be careful about the extra biblical texts, um, but the book of Enoch describes this as well. Um, so it says that the Nephilim, so I'll just read it. Um, it's This is in Enoch 7, and it says, And when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. And they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish and to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. Um, and then Genesis 6 says, this is God speaking, and he says, I'll blot out man who I, whom I have created from the face of the earth, man and animals and creeping things, and the birds of heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. Um so we know that that happened. We know that that's when God sent the flood and wiped out um, that species of people and he preserved Noah. And it says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Um, so I was listening to some podcasts about that too and just talking about how Noah himself was pure. And and that means that he didn't have the same DNA as, as those creatures. So, yeah. and he took, you know, the pure animals with him, two of each kind, the pure animals. So, does that then mean, which is this is what I have researched, but does that mean that these Nephilim also were breeding with animals and created these other species, these other hybrid species? Um, so I wanted to get your opinion on that because, again, we know Nephilim are real because we definitely see them in the Bible. But then these other species, what, what is your take on that? I would have to agree with you 100% on that. And this all goes... As it was in the beginning, it's going to be in the end because Jesus said that even in the last days, it's going to be as the days of Noah where they're eating and drinking and being, being given in marriage. And there's really two layers to that. We always think about that at the first layer. You know, when you look at scripture, there's three layers to everything. Uh, but the first layer is that people are going to be doing normal things. The second thing, mm -hmm. that eating that's spoken of there is referred to as the cannibalism that was prevalent with the Nephilim. Mm -hmm. So when we think about that, let's think about the poor children of Israel when they were looking into the promised land of Canaan and Joshua came back and said, there's giants in there. Mm -hmm. No, it's not just because the uh, Jewish nation, they were shorter people. It's that there were man-eating giants in there. Yeah. So when God asks you to do something and move into the promised land, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, they had wild, sex-crazy, man-eating giants in the land of Canaan. Mm. And the way that we can tell that Noah's righteousness, of course, it was accounted to him by God, you know, his faith, you know, he had faith, he did what God told him to do, but it had to do with his bloodline. Mm -hmm. Because after the flood, we see Noah just getting teetotal drunk <laughs> and passing out. So, any thought of, oh, he was better than everybody else. And I really believe that was put in there. God mm -hmm. let that be put in scripture so that we could see that it had nothing to do with his good works, yeah. but had to do with his bloodline and righteousness. That comes through the blood. It comes through the blood. So the blood yeah. plays a very, very important part of that. So I would tend to agree because if you take a look at the book of Jasher, which is also referred to in the book of Joshua, it's an extra biblical text. And yes, you can't take it as the inspired word of God, but it's like reading a history book that goes along right. with it. In the book of Jasher, up to Noah and the flood, it talks about the DNA experiments that were going on at that time mm -hmm. where they were crossbreeding, trying to develop chimeras, which is like a cross between a human and a animal, trying mm -hmm. to do that during the times of Noah. And that's really what I believe 
upset the Lord the most because when you get into doing that, you're playing God yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's even, I was researching about um, mermaids too, because we're going to get into that some more. Um, but you wonder like, is that God didn't, God flooded the earth. So if the waters was, you know, remained untouched. Was that a creature that survived from then that was breeded by these Nephilim creatures who mated with fish and created this, the mermaid species? Like, have some if of them survived? I don't know. Very well could be. I've, I was thinking about that as I was taking a look at this as well. There's all sorts of strange things, and that's where Bigfoot could have come, come from, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm from South Carolina. We actually have in South Carolina the lizard man. That's something that we'll dive into. He lives in the swamps and that's been around here no. for Yeah, for quite for quite some time. Uh Oof. we've got we've got lizard man. But you we're talking about these strange experiments between man and uh animal and the DNA mixing. And there's two points I want to talk about before we get to the mermaids, because I find the mermaids ab absolutely fascinating. And our comment lines are open this evening. We've got people watching, which is thank you for joining us. If you want to join in the conversation and share your opinion, your thoughts, your research, what you found, please go ahead and do so. We will take the comments. But I was taking a look at the fifth trumpet in the book of Revelation where it talks about the locusts that come up from the abyss. And that is in Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 9, as a matter of fact. And in verse 7, it says, And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. So we've got some sort of strange hybrid thing mm -hmm. going on here. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions. This sounds like a biological disaster. Yeah. And there were stingers in their tails, and their power was to hurt men for five months. First time I ever heard this when I was a teenager, that these verses spoken, people were like, oh, that sounds like army attack helicopters. Yeah. When you read the description. Yeah. It, it really does. But if you go back into ancient Sumerian drawings and mm -hmm. there, you see these things drawn very specifically. And we know that in ancient Sumeria, which is now modern day Iraq, all this stuff, that's where this was going on. And it very well could be that a lot of these things were locked up and part of the judgment, they are going to be released again. Yeah. And it's very strange, but I think we're going to start seeing these things. And it's important that people understand that, yeah, this stuff does exist. And then uh, a last point about Nessie here, Ezekiel 29, there's another Loch Ness monster spoken of in Ezekiel 29 that I did not know about. No way. Yeah, there is. Get this. In Ezekiel 29, God instructed Ezekiel to prophesy against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and said, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great dragon that lieth in the midst of his rivers, which hath said, My river is mine own, and I made it for thyself. So there's another dragon that lives between the rivers somewhere in Egypt. This word dragon, I find it very interesting, is the Hebrew word tanim. It means literally sea monster or river monster, a serpent. Hmm. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, going back to the beginning, like you were talking about, and got in Genesis 1.21, when it talks about when God created the fish of the sea and the things in the sea, 
the King James version, I know I'm going to get some flack for this kind of waters <laughs> it down and says he made whales. He made great whales, but the word is tanim and then, it, which means sea monster. And in the American Standard Version, the Amplified Bible, Contemporary English Version, Darby English Version, Good News Bible, New American Standard Version, Revised Standard Version, and then going back to the Hebrew text, which I did, it says sea monster. Whoa. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So now that we are under the water, let's talk about mermaids. And I had no idea we would get into Loch Ness. It, the Holy Spirit just tied it in this way because you had a dream or a vision about a mermaid several years ago. And would you mind sharing with us the context of that dream and vision and what that vision was? Yeah. So I guess I'll start with the dream and then what I kind of interpreted that as. Um, so I had a dream that. I, it was just me in a room and on the other side of the room, there was a bed and on top of the bed, there was a mermaid. It had red hair. It was not like Ariel. Let me tell you nothing like Ariel, um, but it had red hair and it was on not the like bed. That, it, Alyssa? Not like that. <laughs> no, I wish it was like that. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it had red hair and it was devouring something and I couldn't see what it was doing and I just leaned my head over and when it saw that I was like coming near and I was looking at it it whipped its head around at me and it let out this horrible screech and there was blood pouring out of its face and I was of course absolutely mortified um and the the thing that I did immediately when I woke up was I looked you know what is the meaning of mermaids and dreams And um, mermaids have to do with um, seduction and lust and things of that nature. And so at the at the time, um, I had gone through something at my church where there was a retired pastor who had sexually harassed me and was stalking me. And um, and I had at that point already, you know, brought it forward. And um, to some extent, it, it was dealt with. But I was about to tell it my story through my music. And when I had that dream, it was right when I kind of made the decision of, you know what, you wrote all these songs during that really dark time. You have a story to tell and you have to start, you have to start using it. You have to start putting this music out. And that was right when I had that dream. So I kind of put all those pieces together of this, you know, in my dream, this mermaid creature, whatever it was, saw that I was about to expose it. I saw what it was doing and I was about to expose it and it was going to be mad. And um, just that reaction, but it didn't touch me. That's the thing that I really took from that as well Of like, this is a warning. This is God saying, you know, if you're going to speak up and you're going to use your voice, then you will get backlash. There will be, you know, from man, but also in a spiritual sense of whatever the spirit is, that was involved in the situation, um, it knows that you're about to expose it and it's not happy, but I'll protect you because like I said, it didn't touch me. It just stayed where it was. It screamed at me and there's blood pouring out of its face, but it didn't come near me. Um, so I knew I was also protected, but I knew it was a warning. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what, that was my dream. That's what my interpretation was after that. And then I've done some research 
um, the past week since I knew we were talking about this. But yeah, yeah. I've got some quite, I got a lot of questions about this. It's just really piqued my interest. You say that it had red hair. What what color skin did this thing have? What what did the teeth look like? Do you remember? Um, I think it was just it was just like white. It was just a white skinned um, red hair, and I mean it was it was horrifying. Like it's it's I guess its teeth were sharp. Um, I couldn't really make out much of its face because it was just like blood was pouring it was like a geyser like it was it just screamed and its mouth was huge and it just poured out just a ton of blood so I didn't really see its face and I and honestly I don't even know if I saw like its tail I I just mm -hmm. knew it was a mermaid like there were there was a lot of things that like I just knew like it was devouring mm -hmm. something on the bed I didn't see what was on the bed but I I knew that it was like eating something. Wow. And so this was a dream while you were asleep or was this a vision that you had while you were awake or was it kind of a combination of both of them? This was a dream that I had. Um, and then after, like I instantly woke up after this, the screaming, um, I instantly woke up and I didn't check the time because I was scared because, you know, the witching hour that between whatever it is, three and 5 a.m., um, I didn't check the time cause I was scared, but, uh, but I knew it was from God cause I've had dreams. Like, of course I have dreams, I have, but I've had like very specific spiritual dreams that I know are from God. And I knew that was one of them because I was the only person in the dream. It was like directed at me. Um, and just with the situation I was going through and what that spiritually, what that represented, I was like, there's no way this isn't from God. Because a lot of people, they would say, well, because it was a frightening dream and you saw something that was demonic, they would say that, well, that's probably a dream from Satan, so just go ahead and discount it. But you knew deep in your heart that that was given to you from God. Yes. Now, I've I've thought about that, though, of like, I've, I, went, I went back and forth. Like, is this just a demonic dream um, or is this from God? And I think it was a little bit of both. I think God allowed me to see what what that spirit was like actually know kind of what I was up against. Um, and so I think it was more of like God just allowing me to see that and also allowing me to see that he was protecting me. Um, but I, I think that that can get a little bit fuzzy too of like in, in that dream space, I think that you're susceptible to either end of the spiritual realm. Um, so it's it's just a matter of yeah what what was that? And you've done the research on it, and you said that you found that that mermaids are seductive, that they are sexual. They're actually very murderous as well, too. Yeah, but, death. Know, they're, they're, yep, they are not this. This is not what a mermaid <laughs> a mermaid is. Your no. research <laughs> in preparing for this, diving deep into the world of the mermaid. How does the mermaid tie into anything that has to do with the Bible from what you've looked at? Yeah, so I um, I found a few different scenarios where not mer like mermaids aren't specifically mentioned, um, but there was uh, the Philistine Philistines worship Dagon, um, which was a 
obviously a, a false god represented as a mermaid. It was a merman. Um, and he represented uh, fertility because fish reproduce quickly. So he re- represented fertility. Um, and then the Babylonians uh, worshipped a mermaid-like god, Onus. I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, the Greeks worshipped Triton. And then there's a Syrian goddess, Atargatis or something like that. Um, it's not really relevant. But there were these false gods that were represented as these mer creatures. Um, so that's as far as I saw in in the Bible because it doesn't really mention mermaids per se from what I found. Yeah, I, I, you're 100% correct because I did the digging as well and I could not find a single thing about mermaids, but I was able to find it about Dagon and I'll pull up a picture. I was able to pull a picture of Dagon here and we'll put that up so that everybody can see what we're talking about. This is what the Philistines worshipped, right? There he is. Mm-hmm. Dagon. And what's interesting about Dagon, he was the god, the false god of the Philistines, part man, part fish. And Samson, at the end of his life, he was the one who brought down the temple of Dagon. Mm -hmm. And then, too, I love it in, I believe it's in, I forget which uh, book of the Old Testament it's in, but it's where the Ark of the, when the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the same area as Dagon, and Dagon fell over. Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Good. (laughs) So what I get from that is that Dagon is a very weak, false god. Mm -hmm. And I find it fascinating because if we go back and we listen to Dr. Heiser's teaching on the Elohim and the fallen divine council, all of these things that exist, things like Dagon, God created that being Mm -hmm. and it was intended to be good and to help god was delegating his authority but what we have is we have a corrupt heavenly not not of god but a corrupt heavenly in the second heaven government basically Mm -hmm. the principalities and the powers and dagon i think fits into those principalities and those powers yeah and something i read too was that all those gods that i mentioned that it was probably the same spirit just under different names. So I think that that would also make sense of if it is like, did you say like a principality? Yes. Yeah. If it is that, then it would make sense that multiple people worship this type of God, but they just call it something different. Yeah. And then it wouldn't surprise me if in the corruptness of mankind, when it's gone the worst that they've tried to create mermaids under the influence of this, creature being Elohim that's been fallen that we read of in Psalm 81. And I found it very funny because as I was putting together the stuff for YouTube for this, I was researching mermaids and tags for mermaids. And there's actually an episode of Dora the Explorer where Dora saves the mermaids. Dora, (laughs) don't save the mermaids, please. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Mermaids are not our friends. Mermaids are not our friends. I actually, I was just cleaning um, every like season change. I switch all my clothes around and I just got rid of a lot of mermaid shirts from my past. I haven't grown since like fifth grade. So I still have like all my mermaid shirts. I threw them all away because mermaids are not our friends. (laughs) They are not. They are not. So Dora, please don't do that. (laughs) We did it. (laughs) No, we're not going to do that. I have to ask this question because I know somebody's probably going to watch it or listen. 
And they're like, wow, they're talking about all these things that are borderline new age. Mm -hmm. And especially with the dream or the vision that you had of the mermaid, were you seeking to have a dream like that or was it just something that happened? No, it, I would never seek to have a dream like that ever in my life. And that like, it stuck with me for like weeks after that. Um, but no, I, I, I think, you know, like I, like I was talking about before, these things happen. And I think that, you know, you know, they're real people in the new age who dabble in these things, you know, witches and, um, like all of these things that, that these people experience in the new age, I think that they're actually experiencing things. And I think, um, you know, that's something we have to recognize of what they're getting back is real. They're actually contacting um, spirits and, you know, it's working, it's working for them, but that's what God tells us in the Bible not to do. We're not supposed to, to dabble in these things. We're not supposed to contact these things. So I think that's, those are very different things. I think acknowledging the reality of something that's not unbiblical. It is biblical. God acknowledges the reality of these things. Um, and he yeah. talks about the the spiritual realm in the principalities and, and all of that. But it's the difference of, you know, them coming in God allowing you maybe to see something and you yourself acting and trying to contact these things. So I think those are different. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it goes back to what Jesus said about him being the door. So long as you're going through him, right, and you're under his, you're in alignment with him, and you're in his word, and you're in prayer, and you're in fellowship with the Lord. Because mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna have to dig into this a little bit deeper. It's interesting because when the Lord says that he's the portal or he's the door, that we go in and out. That's mm -hmm. that's interesting. I have to go back and take a look at that. But these things are real and people are seeking, especially through DMT, which is a whole nother topic yeah. of drug DMT. They see some pretty wild stuff that really is there, but they're entering these other door through these other doorways. Yep. And there is a price to pay for it. And I really believe that's probably what the difference is between the Lord allowing you to see these things or you trying to actively get a, hey, I want a spiritual experience, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it this way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also kind of in an effort to be like God. Um, I think especially like when you, I was looking into the, the DMT stuff and the psychedelics and, um, you know, people want to ascend and they want you know that was the original sin satan wanted to be like god um and so yeah i i think that people are trying to do that so i'm gonna ask this question this is a thought and maybe our viewers and our listeners even in the watch on the replay you can send your comments or you can email me lithoscry at gmail.com we're coming close to the end of the age of grace. We know that. Okay. Everything that is in the book of Revelation, we're starting to see it come to pass. Where exactly we are on that map right now, I'm not sure, but we are very, very close. But it's the book of Revelation. It's the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Could it be that we're starting to see all of these strange beings, all of these things that were part of creation, as the as the veil is being lifted, as it's going to be the full revelation of all things ultimately with Christ. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I think definitely. And and what you were saying before at the very beginning of these things are just kind of now starting to fall, and and now we're starting to see them. Um, so I I do think like we know that 
we know that we don't know when the end times is coming, but we know that it is coming. And we know that there are things that we're going to start to see and there are going to be signs and um, these things are going to start to come to pass, you know, however long it takes. But I do think that we're starting to see the beginning of that. Yeah. I remember when I was in college, we were really hoping that the end times was going to come the week before final exams. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that'd be lovely. <laughs> that was that was the hope and the prayer. You know, there are some examples in scripture of God opening the eyes of people to see into the spiritual realm. Yeah. And he does that for their benefit. Is there anything when you think about your circumstance or situation where God allowed you to see into the spiritual realm? Anybody that you can equate that to that you found in scripture? Yeah. Um, well, I definitely think that, like I said, I think my dream, it was a warning. I think I've had many other dreams in my life that has been God showing me something either about um, somebody or a situation. And I think that some people, God gives the ability to see those things and he allows you to see those things. Um, and the one that I that I wrote down was um, John in Revelation, because I think that's the that's the biggest the biggest like reveal, like he sees everything. And, and to imagine like the horror of seeing all that and being, and he was in isolation too. Like, I just can't imagine that. But I think that's like the greatest, the most epic example. There's so many, like there's, there's so many prophetic people in the Bible um, that God showed things to, but I think that's probably the craziest. Yeah. You would almost need to be in isolation to, handle that. I don't think anybody could handle you after you saw that. Mm -hmm. You'd have to be in a situation like that to see that. And that revelation that John had that we read of in the book of Revelation, I, I remember in seminary, there was the debate was, well, is this all futurist? Is this preterist? Or you know, what is it? Well, when you read it, when he's caught up in the heavens, he's seeing three concurrent streams of time going on at the same time, mm. which is absolutely so mind-blowing. <laughs> Very trippy, very yeah. trippy, because time really is a human construct. It's it's for us. God is, operates outside of time, mm -hmm. and I'm glad I've got eternity to try to figure that out when I get yeah. in my glorified body, because yeah. I can't even wrap my mind around that. With everything crazy going on in the world, I mean, here, think about this for a moment. We've got crazy stuff coming from the sky, from the vertical. We got mm -hmm. crazy stuff coming from underneath from the bottom. And then we've got all this craziness going on in the world right now with more war. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to a believer today? What do they need to do right now with all this craziness going on? I think the, the most important thing um, is to be in the word, to be prayerful. I think a lot of the answers to the things are in there. And I think you have to be discerning. I think that's going to be a big thing um, is just discerning what's truth and what is culture, what is um, even new age. I think a lot of that starts to creep into the church as mm -hmm. well. And um, I just think people need to be on guard. You know, the Bible says the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. And it just, I think, is important more than ever to be on your guard, um, to know what you believe. and to not listen to the world because I think there's going to be so many, especially coming up with everything that's going on, there's going to be so many opinions being thrown out at you. So I think being discerning, just pray for discernment. 
I, I believe that's very, very important is praying for the discernment and staying grounded in the word. Our frame in our fallen state, we're very fickle. If we see something that's more powerful than we are, and that's why we're doing this for those that are just joining us right now. It's fun to talk about these things because you explore them. And as you explore them, you go into scripture and you're like, oh, wow, there's really an answer for this in the Bible. It's not what you were just taught, the surface thumbnail scratch taught in Sunday school. This stuff is real, but we're so fickle. And when we see something that's more powerful and more awesome than we are, we worship it. Yeah. I was about to say that it's important that we don't glorify these things either. Yeah. We we can't, we have to put them in their proper place. And I really appreciate the way that Dr. Heiser put this in his ministry. And I, I want to refer to something that he said is when Jesus was crucified on the cross and the, and the veil was torn, all of these crazy things were kind of put in a box. Mm -hmm. They were pushed away because of what he did. What he did, the impact of the forgiveness of our sin and the ability to have eternal life was huge, but it had a cosmic effect on all of these crazy things that are out there, the principalities, the powers, the mermaids that are, you know, probably made in honor of Dagon, the Philistine god that fell at the Ark of the Covenant and Samson destroyed his temple. Sorry, dude. <laughs> but he kind of pushed those away. And it's so important. I think in the age of grace, those things were kind of put away and pushed away so that Jesus could be the focus. Mm -hmm. And now all these things that are coming out of the box. The time is running short. They're going to come out of the box. They're, they're creeping out. We see them, but we have to keep the main focus being Jesus. And yes, most churches are not addressing these topics, and that's why we're doing it here, because we don't have to worry about losing our congregation. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just some maybe friends and family. <laughs> exactly. <I Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. We're both in for psychotherapy next week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. That, that's why I like to take it back to the Word of God. What does the Word of God right. say concerning these things? We see sea serpents and sea monsters in the Bible. They're in there. And it's very important that when we read the Bible, and I want to leave people with this, read the Bible with an open mind. Mm -hmm. Don't read into it what you were taught. Read it a whole different way. That was one of the things for me, Alyssa. I had spent 13 years in a cult. We'll talk about that at a later date Whoa. where they basically destroyed the word of God for me. And then I spent 10 years not in the word of God because I just couldn't read it because mm -hmm. of the trauma that was there. And then wow. going back into it, it was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This is totally when I got the taint washed out. Mm -hmm. It was just absolutely amazing. So approach the scriptures. Don't speak into the scriptures, but let the scriptures speak to you. I think that's the key. Mm-hmm. That's that good, Glenn. Yes. Any other parting shots before we end the craziness marathon tonight? <laughs> I think we covered everything. We covered so many things. This was so we much did. fun, though. I always love talking with you and talking about all these fringe topics. It's it's a lot of fun. And we are working on one for January on transhumanism. Stay tuned on that one. And we're working on getting a third guest that we're going to probe his mind 
on the topic of transhumanism. And I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that based upon a podcast that Miss Paranormal over there sent for me to listen to. (laughs) So, hey, and watch out for that new release coming out uh, November 3rd. What's the title of it? How can they get it? It's called Out Loud and it'll be on all streaming platforms. So just Google it. You'll find it. Download it and support Alyssa. And we will be back with more music next week. And remember, Dora, don't save the mermaids. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Until next week, everybody, peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com. Boom. Love it. (laughs) 